We are now recording. Thank Great. you very much. Let uh, me share the screen. Sorry, Commissioner Collins. Go ahead, Commissioner Collins. Thank you. Um, with grace to all for the time, thank you very much. I'm calling this meeting to order with the roll call. Um, Ms. Marina, would you please call the roll? Yes. So we have Commissioner Collins. Present. Um, Commissioner uh, Musley. Present. Thank you. Commissioner Orleana is not here today with us. Commissioner Parker Pennington. Present. Thank you. Commissioner Shelby. Present. Thanks. Commissioner Shiota. Present. Thanks. And Commissioner Walker. Present. Thanks. Go ahead, Thank you very much. Holland. This meeting is being held by teleconference pursuant to governor's executive order in 2920 and the fifth supplement to the mayoral proclamation declaring the existence of a local emergency during the coronavirus disease COVID-19 emergency. The Arts Commission's regular meeting room, City Hall, rooms 416 is closed. Meetings of the Arts Commission will convene remotely. Today, the Community Investments Committee meeting is being held, is being streamed using the WebEx platform and will allow for remote public comment. While this technology allows us to hold these meetings remotely, it may not be seamless as we would prefer. There will be gaps and delays as staff transitions the technology between speakers. Please note that we are doing the best we can and we are asking for your patience. Before we start, I'd like to remind us all about the policies and procedures for virtual public meetings. At this meeting, we are bound to follow the structure of our meeting agenda and adhere to the best practices set out in the Good Government Guide. At every public meeting, there's a place for general comment where members of the public may make comment on any item pertaining to this body. In this case, please keep your general comments, your general public comments to items under the purview of the San Francisco Arts Commission. For every item on the agenda, there is also space for public comment pertaining to that item. Respectfully, we ask that you keep your public comment on topic. Last. A few virtual meeting housekeeping items. Commissioners and staff, if you have not already done so, please mute your microphones to minimize background noise. When you speak, you have to unmute yourselves. Commissioners, please raise your hand to be recognized to speak or ask a question if it is not already clear to me that you are the speaker. Also, please introduce yourself when you speak so callers on the phone know who's speaking. I will now turn it over to Program Associate Lorena Moreno for public comment instructions. Ms. Moreno. Thank you, Commissioner Collins. This commission has strongly encouraged interested parties to submit their comments in writing prior to this meeting to sfac.grants at sfgov.org. For members of the public who wish to make public comment on items on the agenda, the number to call for public comment is 415-655-0001. The access code is, four, is 146 0126360. You'll be prompted to press the pound twice. Your line will be muted, um, but you will be able to hear the meeting in progress. You may also make public comment using the WebEx link. When you're in the WebEx link, you'll be prompted to enter the following information. First and last name. Um, lost my track. Sorry. First and last name and email address. These fields are required to be entered. However, if you wish to remain anonymous, you'll be you may type public. Um, in the first and last name field and public at public.com in the email field. Please be sure to be in a quiet location and that all devices around you are muted. At the appropriate time, the chair will ask for public comment. For members of the public using the WebEx link, please click the, ha click the hand icon to raise your hand. This will put you in the public comment queue. 
For members of the public calling by phone, you'll be prompted to press star three when the public comment period opens. This will um, add you to the speaker line. When the system message says your, um, your line has been unmuted, this is your time to speak. You'll hear us say, you'll hear us ask to state your name and to make your comments. You are encouraged but not required to state your name for the record. You um, will have, your three minutes will start when you begin um, talking using a visual timer. You'll get a 30 second audible warning. When your time is up, I will say call your time is up and I'll put you back on mute. You will be moved to the out of the speaker line and back as an attendee unless you disconnect. Participants who wish to speak on other public comment periods can stay on the meeting line and listen for next public comment opportunity. Any individual who speaks during the public comment period at today's meeting can email a briefer and summary of the comments to be included in the minutes if it is 150 words or less to sfacgrants at sfgov.org. As a reminder, the summary may be rejected if it exceeds the prescribed limit or it is not the accurate summary of the speaker's public comment. Public comment instructions will also be shared on the screen as you see here. Any individuals who speak, oops, I backed it up, sorry. Please note that the WebEx system has upgraded. You will now see a closed captioning feature. The controls for this feature are located at the bottom left side of your screen. Also, the raised hand feature has been changed. You may now hover over your name in order to raise your hand. Commissioner Collins, please begin the meeting whenever you're ready. Thank you very much, Ms. Marino. Um, I'm now calling agenda item number two, which is general public comment. This item allows members of the public to comment generally on matters within the commission's purview, as well as to suggest new agenda items for the commission's consideration. I am now calling for any public comment. Is there any public comment on item number two? So we did not receive any emails prior to the meeting, and so I'll go ahead and start a 15 second timer. Um, for those who are joining us um, via WebEx, um, please raise your hand. If you're calling by phone, please press star three to be put in the queue. Press this at least once since pressing it more than once will remove you from the queue. Instructions are currently on the screen. We're currently on item number two, which is general public comment. As a reminder, your time will start when you begin speaking as you um, will be muted. Um, excuse me. Um, Visual timer, okay, you'll get, you'll get a 30 second audible warning. You'll be muted once your time is up. You may stay on the line if you wish to speak on other items. Any individuals who speak during the public comment period today can write a brief summary of their comments to be included in the minutes if it is 150 words or less. So we'll give it another few seconds. Tan, let us know if there are any public comments. Hi, I'm seeing none. Great. So public comment um, section is not closed for this agenda item. Okay, so uh, we have called item number three. We're now calling item number three. Uh, and if you wish to make public comment on this item, you may now raise your hand and be added to the queue and you will called on, be called on at the appropriate time. Um, this is item number three, our cultural centers presentations. Uh, presentations and discussions, a very, very important part of our commission's work. I would now like to call on uh, Deputy Director Joanne Lee, Joanne Lee to present uh, and to introduce these items uh, and the presenters uh, before each one of the uh, presentations. First, we will have the African American Art and Cultural Complex presenters, executive directors, Melanie and Melora Green. Second, we will have the Bayview Opera House. The presenter will be the executive director, Barbara Ockel. And third, we will have SOMARTS. The presenters 
Creative and Executive Director, Maria Jensen, um, Community Engagement and Impact Manager, Dominic Chang. I am now calling on uh, Deputy Director Joanne Lee to begin this presentation. Great, thank you, Commissioner Collins, and um, good afternoon. I'm really pleased to introduce these presentations from our fabulous cultural centers. Uh, today, you will hear from the African-American Art and Culture Complex, Bayview Opera House, and Soma Arts. The remaining cultural centers will present at our October meeting. So unlike prior year's presentations, we decided to split the presentations up over two commission meetings. This gives commissioners more time to engage with our cultural center directors about their programs. We've asked the cultural center directors to discuss the ways they responded to community needs over the past 18 months and how they're continuing to respond during these uncertain times. They are starting to open their buildings and provide both in-person and virtual programs. I continue to be so impressed by the many ways the cultural centers have been nimble, flexible, and creative during the pandemic and the array of programs and services they've provided. Many of these programs are new services, so demonstrating how the center staff have stepped up to meet the changing needs of their communities. The presentations are also shorter this year, as you are already familiar with our cultural centers. We wanted to give more time for your questions and dialogue with the center directors. And as you listen to their presentations, I hope that you will think about ways that you can individually and collectively support and partner with our cultural centers. So with that, I will ask uh, Melanie and Melora to start um, their presentation. Mute it, mute it. Okay, great. Can you all hear us now? Okay, great. Okay. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Melanie Green. Greetings, I'm Melora Green, and we're both the co-executive directors of the African American Art and Culture Complex. And we're excited to share our presentation, Self-Care Matters, African American Art and Culture Complex COVID-19 Self-Care Plan for fiscal year 2020-2021. Next slide, please. We will discuss who we are, our 2020 reflections, how we pivoted, our future focus, and our plan to stay in touch. This year, we are prioritizing self-care. Next slide, please. Briefly, um, we have here for you to view our mission and our values, and I'll briefly state our mission we are a space for Black creatives to present, gather, and learn, while being a place for all to experience Black art and culture. Next slide, please. So we all know that 2020 was tough. And while it was a tough time, um, the African-American Art and Culture Complex continued to be a safe space um, to access human engagement and in the time of need. And here we have our um, board President Reverend Townsend. Next slide, please. We continue to be a space for creative expression, and this is Andre Jones, the director and founder of the Bay Area Mural Program, painting one of the main images for our Closer Six Feet Apart exhibition located in our open air gallery. Next slide. We continue to be a space to grieve and mourn. Um, this is the celebration of life for our dear brother, Kali O'Reilly, the San Francisco Black Film Festival director, 
And this is um, DeAnthony Jones um, just sharing kind words, not only from the community, but from the mayor's office. Next slide, please. We also continue to be a space for reflection. And we partnered with a sister named Alicia Walters who created a space for the community to safely share how we feel, what's going on. And there are um, prompts on that wall. And this is the Black Thought Project. Next slide. We continue to be a space to share our stories. <laughs> Excuse me, in this photo, you see the back of W. Kamau Bell from CNN's United Shades of America experiencing the outside open air gallery and taking in quite a few of the murals of the space. Next slide, please. We continue to be a space to contribute to our community. That slide isn't coming all the way through, but this image shares um, a photograph of one of our team members, Rika Chambers, as she puts together the um, kits that were given to our youth during the holiday fair. Next slide, please. We continue to be a space to celebrate our culture. This image um, shares Brother Malik Seneferu at our annual Kwanzaa celebration. Um, and he is our cultural griot and those are people who share our stories um, orally and keep those traditions going. And we thank Brother Malik for his work. Next slide, please. So our focus, um, we are prioritizing self-care and as a values-based organization, we will use our core values to debunk self-care myths and inform our programming decisions for this year and beyond. Next slide, please. We did face some challenges. We all know we had to pivot and take on technology. Uh, we thought about you know, people um, dealing with losing lives and mental health decline. So these are the challenges. We wanted to be honest about that. The digital divide and tech response was not as easy for our organization. Um, we did have a lot of community fear of public participation. We've experienced tap staff turnover, um, internal building maintenance needs, and mental health decline, not only for our community leaders and team, but for ourselves. Next slide, please. And even through all of that, we will continue to invest in, advocate for, and fundraise um, in and for our Black creatives. And we are sharing here some of the ways that we've done that. We are continuing our Yvonne Sustainability Program, with some, which some of you know about our Accelerate, Accelerator Program. We also newly invested in, excuse me, 30 Black businesses in San Francisco, primarily in the Fillmore and in the Bayview, but providing that professional development support and a uh, monthly stipend. Um, we participated with community partners in the arts for the Dreamkeeper Initiative, raising $2 million plus that will go out into the community to support Black creatives living in San Francisco. We also newly created a Creative Leaders Fellowship that will empower five creative geniuses to partner with AAACC in looking at how to better tell our stories and document um, the wonderful and amazing work that continues to get lost with every person who transitions. Um, and lastly, self-care. We are prioritizing and have created a self-care plan, um, and we have $60,000 of support for that. Next slide, please. How we show up. We've sponsored 
Um, $18,000 in hygiene kits for youth and teens as a direct response to resources they were missing in the school systems. And this yielded over 500 of those hygiene kits. Um, the Black Pride Day of Action, um, there were 150 attendees and we were able to pay eight queer Black artists to perform. Um, for Juneteenth and the Black Family Reunion event, we had 500 attendees and we were able to pay 10 artists to perform and share their gift with the community. Self-care and restoration commitment. Um, one paid full week for our team, and this was after Juneteenth, so that we can retrain ourselves on how to recover from major events that we host. Um, we paid two Black massage therapists who were able to perform 100 massages over a two-day period uh, for people who really needed that touch. Um, the Black Lives Matter mural repainting, we were able to engage 50 community members to participate and with the support of some of the volunteers with the Gucci Changemaker staff. And we host free use of space. This lives in our three live performance events, five community activism gatherings, and three exhibitions, which also we were able to commission over 45 Black artists. Next slide, please. We just wanted to amplify that we will make self-care easy for our team and our community. Um, and we partnered with Gucci um, and we wanted to just amplify, we are one of 15 organizations in the country to be awarded the Gucci Change Makers Award. So representing San Francisco in the amount of $50,000 will be prioritizing self-care. And we also got the same support as Melanie and I were um, named the community grand marshals um, and Rothy's reached out to us to see how we wanted to get their support. So in the amount of $10,000, they said, what do you need? We said, help black people get off our feet. <laughs> and so that allowed us to now have that 60K that you saw reflected. Next slide, please. And I wanna amplify as we go to the next slide that we are looking for more partners who would love to support us in prioritizing self-care and restoration because we need it. We are asking you and anyone else to continue to support Black creatives. These are all the ways that you can do that. Um, next slide. And we do want to thank you, the Arts Commission, Grants for the Arts, Gucci Changemakers, uh, the East Bay Community Foundation. Who's missing on this list is Albertsons, um, Rothy's, and the Department of Children, Youth, and Families. And we thank you all so much for your time and um, for your attention. Thank you. Thank you. Um, let me first say thank you. Um, I'm going a little bit off script. Um, you know, during this period of time, I think many of us understand that if we don't start with the foundations of, of our humanity, we can't really advance anywhere. And for the two of you directors, really understanding how important it is for us to care for each other and to demonstrate that as the culture of our community. That is the culture yes. that we are that we are about that. Um, creativity can flow from that, and I think that there is a tremendous example. I would I would like to do. I, I, is this the time when I can ask a question? Please. Could you ask us how we can best support you? You know what? I might have, but I'll ask again. <laughs> and we we really did an invitation to support, but we didn't fully state that. And, and that's something that we definitely can do. And I think 
in order to answer that question, it would be more for us to engage and discuss like what you really care about right now and what is sort of at the helm of your work that we can engage and make a part of our offering. Um, yeah, just looking at what you saw, if there's anything that you saw in this moment that inspired you. Yeah. I mean, it would mean a lot for us if you were listening and you're like, I know James can do this and that person can do that. Or I rolled by and I noticed this at the space. What about this? You know, or these are... are the methods I use. Mm -hmm. And I would love to offer that. You know, what we're doing is putting together publications and other things to make it available to the larger community. So we're very open. Yes. One thing that I would like to suggest, and I would ask for this through our Director of Cultural Affairs, is for us to find a way of doing site visits yes. and really to sit, in, to sit in your space. We are only here because of you. Mm. So the power dynamic is not what you're expressing. The power dynamic is with you. And so I, I would love for us to figure out a time when we can come and really see the world from your eyes we would on the ground on, on the ground thank you we would love that thank you i should probably turn this back over to the formalities um, <laughs> we director, have about four uh, minutes <laughs> oh yeah so now this is the time for more discussion yes um four minutes. we've got some more time uh, commissioners um please and and any public comment will follow i guess so yes it's commissioner parker pennington so i would just want to say thank you congratulations to our co-executive directors and i really want to say that the role that you're playing in the community um in the western edition and surrounding area and the larger san francisco really is to create that hub where people it's a safe space they feel welcome they feel you know included and an opportunity to express and in, in that way it really is a model i think for what mm -hmm. we're trying to accomplish that kind of community engagement and outreach so i just want to say thank you for that and i do want to support commissioner collins in saying please have us come over when you have an event happening you you know invite us to come as a group ahead of the event yeah, yeah. spend some time with us let us be there to help celebrate and to be accessible ourselves to you and and also the members of the community so we feel like we have a job to do we want to do it we love what you're doing so thank you thank, thank you. you thank you so much and we'll hey, i think i'm hearing yeah, the commissioner I, 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 uh, yeah how y'all doing memphis, What's up, hey, memphis? <laughs> that's our connection there um and um, i just want to echo um all of the words that Commissioner Collins and and um, Parker Pennington have have already articulated, and uh, knowing this past year for our community, having the trust and and the solace of the AAACC uh, to continue on and to be a leader, um, and through this crisis, um, and so I just want to encourage and like. The other commissioners have articulated happy to come by for a site visit and listen and find out ways that we can even support as a body more of your initiatives. Um, there was one thing I, I was thinking about because of our community, and, and that's really just the information um, about when we're talking about self care. So it kind of hit me. I was thinking about information about COVID, information mm -hmm. about vaccines, about um, 
you know, as part of the self-care or, or information about testing or all of these different things that are somehow being, in, in, you know, just in general media uh, can be, can be confusing, can be, uh, um, you know, in some cases, uh, wrong information. Um, and, and, but having a place as trustworthy as AAACC with black people in the community would feel like let me let me get some information from from triple ACC about what I need to do, how I need to navigate, how I need to protect myself or others, my you know, children, new protocols, things like that. Um would seem like this would be the perfect place for it to be a hub um for this to happen. Being that there's so much information out there, you know, floating around and some of it is misleading some of it is uh you know um perhaps coming from sources that might not be as useful is, is there something like that possible or going on or um potentially yeah there is and i'll just and laura will say more but um i'll add that we've had several opportunities for testing for that we were even offered um, to be a vaccination site. Uh, we do provide basic information as it comes from the CDC and the mayor's office. Um, I'll also add that we've maintained that because the community sees us as a safe space, we've really advocated that we remain as a space of healing, art, and creativity, and that the resources that are around us, like Maxine Hall and others, that they hold the technical knowledge so that we don't start to have people get confused about our agenda and what they can expect from us. So it's been a balance of information and sort of stepping back enough so that we still remain a place of creativity and, you know, safety, because if we get too entrenched in what's going on with, you got to get vaccinated, you got all that stuff, we lose our people. So we really have tried to strike a balance between information, safety, and staying in our lane so that our other partners can be who they are. But I'll add to that, we do have uh, safety protocols. Our staff and our team have participated and have been certified and trained um, for COVID readiness. And we are actually offering that in our upcoming grant um, process where we're actually sharing with people, this is what your COVID reopening plan should look like. This is a safe way to invite people into your space because people don't know that and they're not invited to the meetings that we just happened upon to even know how to do that. So it's a way that we share knowledge, not so much even to say, do this or that, but this is how you should be safe. This is how you should train your team. This is how you should create the culture. Whether or not you believe in one thing or another, or another on our site, please wear a mask, please wash your hands, please make sure that you're, you know, being mindful of the spaces that you're creating. We had to do that for our team as well, you know, because when you, when you're not responsible and then you engage with other people, you put them in jeopardy. And those are the things that we try to highlight and amplify. So we are sharing that knowledge so that we can know and not be the one containing it. But thank you for amplifying yeah. that and lifting that up too. So we have gone over time. Thanks. Thanks, Triple ACC. All good. But we also see that there was a hand up from Commissioner Shiota. Um, 
Commissioner Collins, I will leave it up to you. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, let's let's go let's go and make sure that we, Commissioner Shiota, please. Oh, I'll I'll be very quick. I just I love the community centers. I love the role that they're playing during this time. Um, how much you guys worked, how much you guys have pivoted, and um, and I, I I guess my my biggest concern, right, is is I'm talking about all artists, but especially African American artists. How do we keep them in San Francisco? Yes. Yeah. I mean, we're in the single digits. It's crazy. It's crazy. So anyway, that's all. Um, I love the space. I hope we can figure out a way to get there uh, and see you in per in real life soon. Yeah. Um, if you're doing an outdoor event, do let us know and maybe we can just do a, an SFAC outing. That would be really fun. I'd nice. love to see what you're doing. So thank you. Anyway, thank that's you. So we would love to work with you just to figure that out too. Mm -hmm. So, directors, directors Green, I'm in Maui. I am putting on, I'm putting on a white flower leg, and I'm sending it to you with all, with all of the aloha of the Mother Earth that represents this beautiful land that we are walking on. Can't thank you enough. I'd like can, to turn this back well, over can I, to. Can I actually say something? I just, it's Commissioner Walker, and I'm really happy that I'm joining this body. Thank you, Chuck. Um, Thank you for all you do just on a day-to-day -day basis, but especially over the last year and a half, you've really like stepped up and helped our city recover. I do want to ask just two, they're kind of big questions and I don't expect an answer now, but I think that I would love to have our committee look at this because I know that there are issues. Um, one is the, um, the maintenance needs of the cultural centers. I know that you have them, and mm -hmm. I know that they're not necessarily being covered, so we should look at that. And then the other one is, um, how are you connecting to all of the activities, the other program activities that we're funding, the universal income, the um, all the job training that we've done through even the Mayor's Office of Economic Development and the, the, um, the launching of the Arts Hub which is hopefully to connect all of our services in that way. So I, I know that we're over time, but it's really kind of the only time we have of really getting a sense of how we can help do those things better. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, just to quickly say capacity, capacity, capacity. So one thing I would like to insert, Commissioner Walker, is that we will be having some updating on the capital programs. Um, and so it's very important for us to be able to get that news and to understand the capital allocation that has gone to the AAAC. And so let's make sure that uh, we get that uh, information to you. And then that will also help to engender, I think, deeper conversations. Yeah. As we move well, along. Yeah, and also I know that we are in the process of launching the Arts Hub, and I just really, really, really want to underline how important it is to get the, the cultural centers tied in and using that tool as quickly as possible for the purposes we've all talked about of getting information in and out. So, um, okay. Terrific. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> Good to see you. Good to see you too. We got to go for that walk. Thank you. Pleasure, Collins. I just want to uh, say thank you, Melanie Malora, for all the work you're doing. Uh, I look forward to years of partnership with you, and I'll be over there as soon as y'all open up, and we can sit down and and chop it up. So yeah, yeah. right around the corner. All right. <laughs> thank, thank you. you. Thank you.
Um, Deputy Director Lee, do we have to call for public comment now or do we can move on to the next one? That'll be at the end of all three presentations, Commissioner Collins. Very public good. Okay, so back to uh, Deputy Director Lee, please, to introduce um, the next uh, Barbara Ockel and the Bayview Opera House. Yeah, I, um, thank you, Commissioner. I think you just introduced her. Um, so, Barbara, are you ready? Uh, almost. Okay. <laughs> Hello, Commissioners. Thank you for the opportunity to present to you today. I will share this presentation with playwright, actress, and Bayview Opera House program manager, Ashley Smiley. Smiley, go. The Bayview Opera House is committed to presenting, nurturing, educating, and inspiring black and brown artists. We are focused on being primarily a performing arts venue. We have acquired excellent sound, video, and lighting equipment and have made great efforts to improve the physical building to do justice to its status as San Francisco landmark number eight and being on the National Register of Historic Places. When we had to shut down the building in March 2020, we quickly formed a virtual production company, assigning new roles to existing staff. We produced serial readings of Harry Potter, who was cast as a black character, online art and music classes, and our girls' chorus kept on singing through Zoom. We also produced The New Normal, a spoof about a nonprofit operating during the pandemic via Zoom, written and directed by our very own Ashley Smiley and inspired by our own daily existence. We introduced our artists in residence, Racist Simpsons Push Dance Company, to the artistic director of the San Francisco Girls Chorus, Valerie St. Agat. And soon, Racer was teaching dance to the choristers, including our own Bayview Girls Chorus. Collectively, we produced a beautiful video of dance and singing performance of the song Wanting Memories. This production was later picked up by the Jerusalem Youth Chorus for a birthday celebration of the African-American composer of the song, Isai Barnwell. Our virtual productions culminated in our first ever virtual gala during Black History Month. We showcased artists from our inner circle and staff ran the production and presentation of all the components we um, of all the components. We involved our board members in the show and raised funds. We taught online workshops to artists on virtual production methods and one on virtual storytelling for a group of Bayview teens in collaboration with Mina Marita of Crowded Fire Theater. During the entire shutdown period, we were able to take advantage of the fact that many artist engagements had been canceled, so they were more available, and we were able to forge new partnerships with amazing artists. After the 16-month-long shutdown, the Bayview Opera House opened back up to the public with an outdoor Juneteenth celebration featuring amazing local talent from Bayview and beyond. A simple event with a seamless procession of six performing artists, ranging from a fashion show for African clothing from Bayview's African outlet, to drummers, youth dancers, rappers, and singers, as well as an outstanding blues band. About 400 people came and had a great time. And finally, our first indoor public event happened just Sunday with the musical performance by Candlelight. Play video. Memorial Theater. Oh. We are back. We are open. Oh. Are you ready? I'm ready. You ready? Let's go. Yeah. Keep, keep your head up. Never let it hang down. When you stand up, stand up. Make sure that you stand ground.
Okay, we had just finished painting the interior of our main auditorium before the pandemic struck. Soon thereafter, we resumed our other building renovation projects, taking advantage of the closed building, especially for our historic floor replacement project that had been planned for years, but had been impossible to implement both due to insufficient funds and a busy event schedule. Getting through the process of following all the federal guidelines to get a 200K plus off the ground was a new and challenging experience for us. And between the building department being closed and contractors not wanting to comply with quarantine requirements, it took until March 2021 to actually get started. And not only did we replace the historic floor, we had all other wooden floors in the building refinished, including the historic stage. We then repurposed the 130-year-old wood that had been removed from the auditorium and installed it in our lower floor dressing rooms, classroom, and hallway, greatly upgrading those rooms that previously had linoleum floors. Another long outstanding project is an extensive termite remediation project that will finally happen in the next month or two before the termites are able to do irreparable damage to the building structure. We are also in the process of renovating our small kitchen to upgrade its 1970s functionality to comply with current ADA and health department rules. From the very beginning of the pandemic, we also supported the food bank and COVID testing and vaccination by the health department in our outdoor areas. Those services are still operating and still needed, and we are glad that we were able to continue to serve the community in this very physical way, even as the building was closed. We also used green screen technology to record three PSAs for the MTA to promote safer left turns. Video, please. are about to launch a new program called Bayview Uncut, which will have two components. Secure the Bag, Black Arts Grant, is a grants program for artists in collaboration with the African American Arts and Cultural District. Tools of the Trade is our artist workforce development program, and it will have cohorts for both performing and visual artists. Our visual artist cohort will host an open studios exhibit and reception in our space and also be coached in topics ranging from how to price their art to selling online fundraising and social media marketing. The performing arts track of tools of the trade is designed to give artists valuable practical experience in the various technical trades that are essential to make any performance a success. It will give performers the knowledge they need to collaborate successfully with technical artists and give life to their holistic visions. It will also give budding technical artists insights into the various theatrical disciplines from stage management to lighting design and event promotion. Many topics of the tools of the trade program 
for the performing artist will be taught by professionals involved with the production of Harriet's Spirit, a new opera written by Marcus Shelby, commissioned by Opera Parallel, to be rehearsed and performed at the Opera House in October and November of 2021. After that, the already well-trained cohort will turn its attention to The Motley Experiment, planned for February 2022, a collaboration between Push Dance Company and jazz musician Idris Akamore, postponed from March 2020. The Bayview Opera House is a place for artists to collaborate and learn from each other. In this spirit, we aspire to be a homing beacon for black and brown artists who want to create new work and present it to educated and attentive audiences. Thank you. Commissioner Collins. Sorry about that. Thank you so much, um, Director Arkell and Ms. Smiley. First of all, it's wonderful to see you, and thank you for such uh, a powerful presentation. Um, you know, the thoroughness of the work really was evident in your presentation, and also the fact that you pivoted. You know, this has been a long pivot. We're sort of in the second round of this, aren't we? And you know, with, you know, going back to March of 2020 to where we are in August of 2021 is a long journey, and that you are really standing strong, and that you found ways of serving the community in such powerful ways is really noteworthy. Um, you know, kind of fast forwarding a couple of questions and really kind of preempting perhaps other questions. You know, you mentioned capital needs also. And I, I know that the capital formula is something that we need to all do a better job of. Um, have you been able to fully articulate those capital requirements that you have um, and prioritizing them from the urgent to the wish to have so that they can begin to get on cue at a staff level with the director and others? Well, um, I talk to Joanne about every other day about emerging needs, and I think we may not have been able to like prioritize them in this way, but we are making sure that the highest priority projects, like which one of them was the floor and another one is the termite remediation are getting done now. Okay, thank probably you. do a little bit better to like put everything on a long list. Okay, thank you. I'd like to turn this over to uh, any other commissioners for questions or comments. Yeah, I had some comments and questions. Um, not really questions, but um, you know, like with the AAACC, um, the Bayview Opera House is a very important. We all know this. Um, place within the black communities that are that are still that up in San Francisco, and I want to um, congratulate and thank um, Ashley and Barbara and those who work in the stack there of, of maintaining through all this time period. And my role as a commissioner, um, having kind of followed the process of the Bayview Opera House for I don't know twenty years now, twenty one years, twenty two, something like that. It's been a long time. And to see the direction and the future that it's going, and all the artists that you all are working with, um, and all the young folks that you're, you're stewarding and and making sure that they have a safe place to learn and be creative, is is 
it's amazing. It's um, it's it's like unbelievable and being able to do it in this very challenging time and very much needed. And uh, as Commissioner Collins and other uh, commissioners have mentioned, uh, please let us know about the because I know it's an ongoing thing about the capital improvements there and and how we can better support. And um and and, and as my sort of position and role or presence as an artist in this community, I'm very thankful to work with you all um, and to bring this opera, Harriet's Spirit, which is about Harriet Tubman and school children and a modern day story in collaboration with Opera Parallel uh, to a place that I can't think of a better place than the Bayview Opera House with all of its history, its location and its importance in the black community there. So I'm very thankful for that. That's in, going to be in November and look forward to um, all the young people that will be able to serve through that. And, um, and, and that being the premiere of this, of this uh, particular piece. So I wanted to personally thank you all for the support on that. Well, we thank you for choosing the Bayview Opera House for this amazing uh, event that's going to be coming up. It's, it's a no brainer. It's got to be there. <laughs> Thank you. It's beautiful to be able to have opera at the opera house and also, you know, represent um, opera in a, in a different way than it's typically seen. We have a black story, a black writer, black director. Um, and I think that that's also extremely important for our community. So, again, really thankful that we're able to bring all of that um, with that production to the to the community and to the Opera House in particular. Thank you, Ashley. It's good to see you. Uh, one of my favorite people in this community that I don't get to see and talk to enough. <laughs> so we have a few more minutes for commissioner discussion before we can move on. Um, commissioner Shiota. Yeah. Hi. I keep forgetting how to, I don't know how to take my hand down, sorry. Um, I just keep doing that. I love the Bayview Opera House. Um, Barbara and Ashley, thank you. Um, what a what a tough couple years. Um, and it's such a beautiful spot and um, so central. And, and Marcus, that you're doing an opera there is so awesome and amazing. Um, and you know what I love about it is that it's it's holistic, right? I I just, like you said, it's it's a it's an opera in the opera house, but uh, but the but the template is going to be um, by for and with um, you know the community members, and I think that makes a huge difference. And I love that you guys are doing the technical training, so it's not just one part of arts; it's this whole uh, 360 view of of what it takes to do a production and you're giving people not just the artistic expression but the artistic education and also the possibility for the career path um later and and you can talk about it all you want but if but when people see it it's so much more tangible and so much more powerful um so thank you and really looking forward to that uh that's and and i'm glad you guys had a in real life event um that's all I'm just a big fan. Okay, bye. <laughs> Thank you for the presentation. So are there any other questions from members of the commission? Just a quick 
Just a quick Please. comment from from me, because, of course, uh, I think, uh, you know, Barbara knows that the Bayview Opera House is near and dear to my heart. I live in the Bayview and I used to always be over there. I mean, before the pandemic, you, you just everything. So I look forward to coming back and I, I do uh, look forward to coming over with um, my fellow commissioners to visit it. Congratulations on getting the floor done and, and redoing the interior and. I love what you're doing in terms of programming and engaging the community and particularly the youth uh, who need it so much. Um, so, so thank you for everything you're doing. You know, one, one final question is, uh, can you give us some sense of how you are working within the, the cultural district? Well, um, we, we collaborate closely with them. Like we, for instance, our um, security, the bag program is going to be a collaboration with the cultural district, you know, giving out grants to artists to put on events, both at the opera house and outside the opera house. And we basically are in pretty close communication with them about everything we do. And, you know, they recognize as us as the physical center of the cultural district. And so we're looking forward to, you know, many more collaborative events with them. And also, you know, that we're uh, doing a lot of work with the Southeast facility. And so um, are you involved with, um, with that kind of reset there? Um, not so much with, with the reset. We've, we've had con uh, good discussions with them when they just started building. And we're really looking forward um, to working with them and, you know, making sure that the community knows that they can have, you know, there will be additional space for community events that we no longer really focus on hosting so much, like, you know, things like birthday parties and other community celebrations that people do want to have. And they are very excited to host that sort of event. And so we, you know, working together, we've also talked about the possibility of our, like, tech internship program potentially helping them with their technical needs when they have events over there once it's open. Thank you, Director Arkell. Are there any other comments? One, one, one quick comment is, and this, this is something that you've been, I mean, since I've, since you've been, since I've been on the commission, hearing you preach and push and promote is this technical assistance program. And I think that, um, uh, the Bayview Opera House has been a leader in doing this. I, I'm, I'm not saying the other organizations aren't, but I know that's been an articulated part of the Bayview Opera House. And I wanted to just highlight that because um, now is the time as we, you know, hopefully emerge out of this pandemic and there's, there's these new opportunities that are potentially available for young people to learn how to work on productions. And is there some sort of, um, I don't know. Is there? Were you able to keep this program going in some way, even with the shutdown and over the last year and a half? Yes. Um, as a matter of fact, so um, that previous fall, we finished out a kind of in-person training before everything got really, really shut down. And then um, this spring, we actually did a virtual production fundamentals class. And so we, um, and it was actually great because we were able to work with artists from as far as New York. Um, and so we actually had a weekly course in which we taught folks, you know, 
how to zoom, but zoom, you know, in an artistic way, you know, how to make sure that you are presenting things, you know, looking at your microphone and your home studio and your lighting, um, how to record and pair those things and then create original work and showcase your work. Um, and so that was really a lot of fun just because we found that a lot of artists were hungry for that information. You know, how do we not fall by the wayside while we can't be in person. And so um, part of what our conversation has been about this fall is how we can make sure that that information remains accessible, despite the fact that we'll, you know, most likely than not, and with full hope, be in person. Um, you know, how is it that we can make sure that artists continue to get that information? Uh, and I know it's definitely a passion project of mine because that's where my background comes from in terms of technical theater and production and it's how I got here. And so I definitely want to make sure that folks are able to be um, well-rounded, self-sufficient artists. And so that's that's part of our current uh, conversation with Opera Parallel and others about how we can make sure to maintain that. Yeah, right, like we are well in. over time. We well, so just, thank you all. One second, <laughs> one second. No, one second, please. Um, at one point in time, uh, Barbara Mumby was working on the education master plan. So let's make sure that we don't lose sight of that because what we were trying to do is to make sure that we were vectoring our intentions for financial support for what you're doing in tech to be able to be on an integrated plan, both what we could do within the commission as well as how we might help to access other money. So at a staff level, let's just make sure that we pick that thread back up, okay? Sorry about that. Let's move on. Thank you so much, Ashley and Barbara for your time and your patience. I'm sorry, Lorena, back to Joanne. Oh, good. Uh, Commissioner Collins, sorry, Joanne, I didn't mean to cut you off. Did I remembered you had wanted to do a, like a 20 to 30 second stretch break in between each presentation. Did you want to do that still or shall we <laughs> move on to some arts? Uh, let's take a stretch break, 30 seconds. Okay, so for those Thank who are joining us, we're commissioners, feel free to shut off your webcams, do a 20 second stretch break, and we will be right back for some arts. Lorena. Yes. I noticed your haircut. Thank you. <laughs> I was looking at your lovely green blouse. I was, I was like, oh my God, she cut all that fabulous hair. I wish I had more hair. <laughs> so there's a story behind that, which, you know, maybe I'll be able to pop in one of your cultural center director meetings one day and I'll follow up with you on that. Yeah. Yeah. 
I do miss it. I do miss it. It's good to see you. We echo the Mars. I know that's the right moment. I don't see you as often anymore. I miss being in those meetings. I miss you. So whenever everyone's ready, commissioners, please feel free to join us back. And we do have a comment for from um, Ralph, from our director. So if we can have Ralph speak first before moving on to Soma Arts, greatly appreciate it. Hi, uh, thank, thank you, Lorena. And uh, thanks everyone for presenting. Uh, before we, uh, good to see Maria here. Uh, before we uh, begin with Maria's presentation, I think what I'm sensing is that uh, there's a, a feeling from the commissioners that you all want to have site visits. So why don't we have Alyssa uh, put together a series of site visits and we'll all go out to all the bricks and mortar cultural centers and walk through them and look at the problems, look at the challenges and look at everything therein and, and have a Q&A and really dig deep. So we'll have a, a Alyssa Put that on the calendar and probably do it sometime this fall. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, so back to uh, Deputy Director Lee to introduce Somarts and Rhea Jensen. Um, I think they've just been introduced. Uh, you got uh, Maria and Dominique. Are you ready to go? Yes, we are. And it's great yes. to be here with everyone this afternoon. Thank you for having us. Um, our presentation is just a little slight departure. Um, one of the things that I'm very proud of in the work that I do at Soma Arts is all of the professional development and an emphasis on uh, team building. There are a lot of people who are engaged in doing all of this arts and culture work. So I just want to take a moment and uh, share with you some highlights about our team at Soma Arts to kick this thing off. Um, so the journey to recovery uh, for us started with the team. During the pandemic, which was a very dark time, we made a critical and community-centric uh, decision to center our work on joy and wellness. Prior to the pandemic, we had moved all business operations to the cloud, and we had already established flexible hours to help team members achieve an improved life-work balance as an evergreen state and foundation for all of the work that we undertake and accomplish. Um, we are continuing to reimagine Soma Arts, emphasizing effectiveness and empathy, embracing our humanity, diversity, and our unyielding commitment to the community and to the artist. When we reorganized our cross-functional project management approach, uh, and it unearthed hidden talents across the team. We used emergent strategies and adaptive leadership as our framework, and this process served to keep 100% of our admin, tech, and site operations team employed during the pandemic. We grew closer together, though we worked remotely. We formed a deeper connection to our work and to each other as we developed our vision of what it means to be arts and workers, critical to the overall recovery of the Bay Area's arts ecosystem. Next slide, please. During the pandemic, we transformed chaos and disappointment into greater team collaboration, creativity, and growth opportunities for Soma Arts. At the August uh, 2020 Community Investments Committee uh, meeting, we discussed how we canceled our spring fundraiser called Lush to pivot the fundraiser to give 100% of the proceeds we raised, which was $6,000, to support Black Lives Matter. 
But the fundraiser's theme, Lush, was inspired by uh, Somar's garden space, which for many years was tended to by legacy artist and curator Renee Yanez. This garden, though small, is very lush and brimming with plant life. Though we canceled our fundraiser, Lush became the rallying point for a series of uplifting virtual programs we launched this past year, curated, produced, and moderated by Soma Arts team members. We planted seeds for future programmatic ideas during a stretch of time when we weren't allowed to be in space together. Staff talent and creative practices and interests were the drivers of programming content. And through these projects, we were able to support the artist community with commissions and stipends. The virtual events that we produced uh, was with Rashad Newsom, and it was a virtual ball. We created a lush film event featuring local Bay Area filmmakers. A lush literary event featured local published women writers of color. These virtual events increased accessibility to audiences in and outside of the Bay Area, broadening awareness of Soma Arts and the artists we showcase. Next slide. Throughout the fiscal year, our strategy towards reopening and responding to our community was centered around three fundamental approaches. Reimagining the creative possibilities of our programs, innovating our technical capabilities and services, and developing a comprehensive health and safety plan for us all. You know, looking back into this year, we successfully brought back all of our legacy exhibitions, our curatorial residency programs, and a few other collaborative projects across digital and physical space. We really focused on investing in strengthening our team's creative visions and our technical capacity to produce a broad collection of 360 virtual exhibition tours, virtually streamed events, all in which served our internal and external productions. We reopened our galleries for most of our exhibitions, offering in-person time ticketed visits to guests who were tested negative for COVID um, and or were vaccinated. We will continue to offer these newly developed service as an ongoing service to our cultural partners and our future rental clients. You know, one of the things that was really important for us is that, you know, embracing health and safety for our staff and our communities. It was a key and constant priority for SOMARTS. Our facilities and ops team developed detailed COVID-19 safety policies and procedures that were all aligned with local and state public health directives. Most of the accomplishments include implementing routine health assessment surveys at every point of entry in our building, offering PPE, hygienic and touch-free sanitation resources to all of our staff and visitors. Um, and in addition to that, we achieved a robust, consistent airflow circulation system throughout our entire building, utilizing a combination of HEPA filter air purifiers, high velocity fans, and opening up our large sliding door and roll-up gate. This was a really intense year for us all, and it brought us so much joy to be able to produce Here For You, uh, celebrating pride safely with our community with one of our first in-person limited capacity outdoor event in our garden. Next slide, please. You know, centering collective care and joy was an essential experience for our entire community this year. During the pandemic, we remained a hub for our community and artists virtually and in person when possible, as a place to share grief and joy during one of the most devastating moments in history for humanity, a place to engage in collective healing, resistance, and resilience. 
We launched many programs responsive to the times. We brought back our annual Dia de los Muertos exhibition and the Black Woman is God exhibition. We also launched the entire season of our curatorial residency program with the Bay Area Deaf Arts, Caravana, and the Sounds Like Home exhibition. We upheld our commitment to our artists and compensated all contracted exhibiting artists across our programs. Throughout this entire programmatic year, we were able to garner significant media recognition for our artists and curators. Notably, our exhibits were featured in SF Weekly's article, Art That Defined SF in 2020. We also received additional press coverage with 48 Hills, SFS, KQED, and many other local news outlets across the Bay Area. Next slide, please. So as you note from this slide, uh, we have a robust FY22 programming calendar. Upcoming is Murphy and Cadigan Art Awards, which is in partnership with the San Francisco Foundation, and that opens September 19th. Our 22nd Dia de los Muertos exhibition opens October 9. The Black Woman is God opens December 12th. We are launching the Soma Arts Invitational, an annual exhibition that will amplify the vision of a solo artist of color that opens February 2022. We will partner with QCC and APIC on their annual events, and our event rental team is fielding requests for virtual, hybrid, and in-person events. Throughout the year, there will be pop-up virtuals and pending SFDPH, small pop-up events like the Lush Fashion Event and the Lush Food uh, focus on dance. We do need to have a lush food event too. I have to add that to the list. And one of our critical needs and it's on our wish list is to have upgrades to our building so we can better serve our community, serve our artists and keep our staff safe. And we hope to see you virtually or in person at one of our events. Next slide. So I wanna thank you all for this opportunity to share with you our past year, our present moment and where we are heading in the future. Thank you very much. We appreciate okay. all the support from, oh, sorry. I <laughs> uh, just want to say really appreciate all the support from the staff and the commissioners at the Arts Commission. Um, your continued investment in SOMARTS is allowing us the opportunity to continue to support the needs of our community and really the dreams of our artists. So thank you so much. We want to thank you. Um, you know, the significant impact that you have made during this time is palpable. And shifting what can often be seen as um, artistic expression to the underlying foundations of what stabilizes our artistic community, artists, and grounds them during this time has been absolutely vital. And we've seen that as a consistent theme. I think you can see it with your fellow and sister organizations that presented today. Um, one of the questions, and I'm sort of preempting Commissioner Walker here because I want to make sure we don't lose this thread, um, is we would like to know also um, what are some of the capital or foundational needs that you may have that we can help to emphasize and support um, as we know that you know you don't live by bread alone. You have to have bricks and mortar also. And so uh, as a part of any comments, would you just include that in stating you know, where you are and to engender some further conversation in that arena? Yes, and thank you so much for that question. I think um, it's probably common knowledge that Soma Arts is also listed as a, a one of the buildings that would collapse if there was a 
seismic event of a certain magnitude. I don't know exa exactly what that, that magnitude is, but very recently there was the earthquake at the border of California, Nevada, and my site operations director was on site and actually did, you know, the building did move. And Somers is a very significant building, so to get a big building to move, it's takes a lot of doesn't it seems like it didn't take a lot of energy to yield that feeling. So there's so there's that issue. Um, also, we have mobility issues, which, you know, really need to be prioritized because our driveway is actually now sinking and, um, and it's buckling because of uh, roots of very strong ficus trees and other trees are pushing the, the pavement upward. So for people who are in wheelchairs or have walkers or, or have any kind of, I mean, we've had people who haven't had any issues fall in the driveway. Uh, and injure themselves um, minorly. So, so there's there's those issues, and um, I mean, there's a there's quite a few. <laughs> so, I would have to spend like another twenty minutes on this um, uh, meeting with you all. But, um, but I think a tour is is certainly helpful, um, and we can talk about also not just the building. You know, it impacts. You know, our artists, for example, our exhibiting artists may not be as impacted because the gallery space is in pretty good shape like the walls but it's the floor right so so there's a few access points that are that are problematic that you know we need to you know address and we just kind of need to think about if one of our goals as a cultural center is to have a robust earned income program like we have an event space that we rent but, you know, we have, you know, a lot of problems, growing problems that our operating budget is not able to address. There's some sound bleed issues. There's also issues with a, a cracked floor. The whole floor is cracked um, in the event rental space. So there's there's things that kind of could add up to serious um, issue, right? So, so thank you for asking that question. And I'd be happy to, you know, provide more information, or if you just want to come over by for a tour, be happy to do that with our site operations director. He's been there a little bit longer than myself, so he has a very uh, keen um, understanding of the building and 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 issue, issues I'm not even able to detect. He knows exactly where all the skeletons are, so um, be happy to have you all come over. I appreciate that. You know, when, and just in following on. You know, it often you would assume that everything is coordinated and it's not always coordinated. And we know that there are many different city departments that interact in the framework of finding out the capital and the resources, the allocations, the diagnosis, the analysis. But I, I know that we have commissioners and staff that are vitally important um, in, in helping to be a part of the solution to this. And so this is one where I would refer it back to our director to help to give us some guidance as to how we may be able to support you in this work. I don't even know where it fits within the architecture of the commission staff, but perhaps the director can give us a little more insight. Yes, uh, uh, thank you, uh, Commissioner Collins. I, I um, you know, this is a, a source of frustration uh, for staff as well as for, I know for uh, Maria uh, Jensen and, and her leadership there. Um, we are pulling together a number of, uh, and have pulled together a number of internal, um, uh, staff in different departments to try to address, uh, this issue because I personally toured, uh, through Soma Arts, uh, not too long ago, 
and uh, Maria and I and, and her and her uh, facilities uh, director guy. And we, I mean, it's it needs help. And and I say this, I say this as um, a former city council member in Minneapolis. I have so I have PTSD because I was on city council when our bridge collapsed, oh and it collapsed because. There were a number of people that just pushed the kick the can down the road. The governor didn't, the Republican governor at the time did not uh, sign off on getting the bridge fixed and, and didn't pay attention to infrastructure. The legislators of a certain party decided not to uh, not to lean in and kick that can down the road. And as a result, the bridge collapsed and people died. And then all anybody could say was, I'm sorry, yeah, we should have done it. And I don't want that to happen at some arts. And one big, like if we have a quake, the size of the one that just happened way out there, if we have a, a quake of that size closer to San Francisco, some arts will collapse. You know, that'll be done. And, and people will die if they're inside. So we have to do something. This is a life or death issue. And so um, I just implore you all to, uh, Help us, uh, help us, help them, and uh, and and we're putting all hands on deck on this one because Soma Arts needs some serious uh, infrastructural help and seismic upgrades. And so we'll take a tour. Like I said, we'll uh, Alyssa will organize uh, tours through all of these um, uh, bricks and mortar centers. Uh, but when we go through Soma Arts, uh, we'll be pay particular attention to that detail. Thank you so much, Ralph. Yes. Thank you, Commissioner, as well. Yeah. And also, thank you, Commissioner Walker, who is uh, steadfast in making sure. I'd like to turn this actually over to Commissioner Walker for some of her comments, please. Um, this all, you know, I, I want to thank you, Maria, and, and, and so, Mart, you know, when you were talking about where the skeletons are hit. Having uh, having been a good friend of Jack Davis, I kind of <laughs> laughed. <laughs> Not that it might be literal. <laughs> um, and and you know he used to put that, keep that that building together with bubble gum and um, gaffer's tape. <laughs> but now, I mean, it it certainly is due for maintenance but also i i feel like one of the exciting things right now is that folks are willing to really look large and have some visionary ideas about not just making the existing buildings better but really how do we better use this limited space we have for cultural assets we are not just doing it for ourselves and what we're focusing on our programs now it's it's the artist 100 years from now Mm -hmm. that need to be living here and they need to have space to present and exhibit and work. And so, you know, I have, I am being really aggressive with our new director and the rest of the commissioners to really push this agenda and figure out, you know, how to be considered in the, in the infrastructure commitments that are coming. There's going to be investments. And as we talk about, you know, soft infrastructure, this is part of it. Nonprofit spaces, you know, where we teach our kids, where we take care of our seniors, where, you know, all of these things are going to be 
looked at. So we have to be ready with our plans. And so I'm excited. I'm, I want to do whatever I can to help. I have a, obviously I was on the building inspection commission for 20 years. So I know a little about um, these kind of things. And we have some architects and development folks that are on our commission with us. So I feel like we can really push forward and, and try and maximize the, um, Mm -hmm. this this moment as we recover and the commitment and and finesse of all of us here you know our new director the staff there's going to be you know a, a refocus so thank you and thank you for inspiring us ongoingly and i hear you ralph i think we need to really act on this director and, excuse me and, and everything's all right and everything doesn't have to happen right away thank thank you commissioner walker but everything doesn't have to happen right away right it, it, that's right. It's like it's a capital improvement process, capital plan improvement process. So the first part is design, right? The design elements of it, trying to get all that stuff yeah. together. So we can at least start something. Yeah, and, and, we need to, and we can look at it and prioritize what we need to do in the immediate to make sure it's safe. Yeah. And, right. then, and really take time with all our, I mean, all of these assets that we have have the potential for expansion. Mm -hmm. Mission Cultural Center, Baby Opera House, you know, there's a lot there around space around it that we could help, you know, maximize the use of. Um, and, and even our virtual, I mean, there's a lot of opportunities right now. If we can come together and have smart plans that we can get the rest of the city to support too, because if it's infrastructure money, it's not necessarily, you know, as uh, prioritized to us, we have to make our argument. And I will say, in closing, <laughs> it's clear what you all, what the arts add to community. This is exactly why the mayor, our arts mayor, um, put money in, you know, into the recovery money into artists' hands, into these cultural centers, into paying artists, into, you know, making sure that we had folks activated out there. This is why, because, you know, this is our heart. And so thank you very much yeah and i just wanted to say thank you to commissioner walker and uh and, and everyone i i appreciate the sentiment and i feel like it's not just sentiment i really feel like you're being very um intentional about it so i do feel that and i want you to know i i really respect that um and i think it's it's a question of vision i think that you really hit the nail on the head it's like you know this is the moment it, there's not going to be another moment where there's going to be such capital support coming on the federal level um, and a focus on city recovery um, as, you know, the, the economic engines of this whole country. And we know that arts and culture is a, is a significant employer of, of cities. And so this is why it's not even just about me and my feel, feelings as a director or the staff or, or some arts. I don't take any of this personally, but I do look at, you know, you know, are we going to miss an opportunity to you know, support and, and create these uh, cultural assets across the cultural centers, which are significant. And if you think about us as a collective, if there is a data survey done about how many people we've employed, how many people we've trained, how many artists we've given launch to, uh, how many community members served, you know, you know, it's pretty staggering the, the tremendous collective uh, impact, right? And so now I think that for Soma artists in particular, we start feeling like, well, there's now a glass ceiling to what we can do, do in terms of growth because the building itself now is determining our growth by virtue of it not being 
um, you know, it, it's not up to code in some places and maybe there's also just, there's just capacity issues. So, even though I want to bring on other staff, I actually have no physical place for them. So then that becomes the staff is still wearing too many hats because there's not physical room to bring on another person to help, you know, relieve that. So we, so there's just a lot of different impacts. And the last thing I want to say too, that goes back to vision. I did have the former, um, you know, uh, inspector, what was his name? John Rame. John Rame came over and gave a tour and I've had an architect also come over and give a tour. So we, we found out that the foundation actually wasn't a problem, which really surprised me. Um, you know, it's obviously it's the seismic issues and then it's also just, you know, it just needs to be brought up to 21st century ability to function. We're next to Airbnb, Adobe, Pinterest, and yet it looks like we somehow landed from a tornado in the Midwest on Brandon Street. So, you know, so, and, I, and I love that image. It's interesting because we do stand out in the neighborhood, but in terms of business growth for us, um, growing the staff, which means developing more arts and culture workers of color, uh, bringing more artists in. But on that site, we the building can go up to like 40 or 50 feet. So now we're talking about housing. So we're not really talking about just one thing here. We're talking about addressing multiple needs uh, while creating, you know, incredible assets for the city that are on par with the museums. And this is how we establish not, you know, feeling like we're a marginalized organization trying to deal with the marginalized, right? So I just think that there's an opportunity to create a bolder vision, change the narrative, uh, and make this kind of a collective thing. It's not a me thing or a Soma Arts thing. It's an us thing. It really is. So I really appreciate the collaborative thinking around this. Um, really do appreciate your comments and your support. Thank you. So it's we are, sorry, Commissioner, um, Commissioner Collins, um, Nabil, um, Commissioner Musley has actually had their hand up for some time and waiting patiently to say something. And I do want to say we are over time as well. So go ahead, Commissioner Collins. I will just uh, make a quick thank you for the presentation. Um, you know, I, I just, I, I, I fully agree uh, with what everybody's saying is that, you know, essentially you can't have a space that's not safe and one of the drivers of income driving is event space within the space, which is kind of not a lot of spaces have that. And there's a, you know, I've been going to events there, I don't know, for 25 years. I can't remember how far back I've been going to that particular space. And, you know, to know that it's in that kind of shape or it, it, it needs to be renovated so to continue on to be able to bring in the public in and everything else. I mean, that's essential to the to the continuation of the space itself this is not like well this is on top of our list or that with that no like that needs to happen so we can move forward so we'll 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 do whatever we can and um and you know the sooner the better i feel and i do feel strongly about the space thank you i hear a task force forming i'll join that one as well because i was thinking this janine i'm sorry quickly um you know, I did an offsite during Untitled, the big art fair that ended up being by Fort Mason or, you know, they end up being off campus, but I did this little side event for a very big artist who uh, does visual, um, it, it was this, it was a great event. It got 500 people into this, into like Pier 70. And 
why would these bigger art fairs not somehow be using some of these cultural spaces and and have like public private partnerships and and that be part of the cultural tourism fabric of SF travel and um, the arts ecosystems that are the basis of the city. Um, anyway, that's all I'm brainstorming because I do love that idea and the idea of cast or somebody like it, you know, doing something big, doing like an Arto kind of a, a complex, right, that has a live work or, or like Minnesota properties, right? So all of that. So I think, I think now's the time that the city in this stasis moment, um, you know, it's it's got some rough edges at the moment and, and is trying to figure out what it's gonna be next. But but now there's now there can be some intentional planning going forward of, of what it's gonna look like in 15, 20 years. So um, Well I, I think with I think with infrastructure on all of our minds, let's make sure that we keep this thread. I know that our director is very, very focused on it. It's common to all of our cultural centers, and it is, as Commissioner Walker said, you know, one of the keys to our economic future. Um, are there any other hands raised? I can't see that, Ms. Moreno. Just a no. quick comment. Um, no. Thank you, Maria and uh, Dominique, and count me in as uh, a commissioner who would come over on a site visit and um, just as uh, we've extended this invitation to the other centers, um, we love you all and we would I'd be happy to come over and to try to hear from you on site about how we can better support. So thank you and good to see you again. Thanks, Commissioner Shelby. Are there, are there any other hands raised before we say thank you to Sir March? I don't yeah. see Deep any hand raised. Thank you very much. So we can close this agenda item. Is there any public comment on this that we have to call for, Ms. Moreno? Yes, we do. So for those who are listening, for those who are already listening um, please to this meeting via WebEx link, please raise your hand. If you're calling by phone, please press star three to be put in the queue. Please press only one since pressing it more than once will, be, will remove you from the queue. Instructions are currently on the screen. We're on agenda item number three, which, um, which we've heard from three amazing cultural centers. Um, as a reminder, your time will start when you begin speaking and you'll see a visual timer if you're listening via WebEx. You also get a 30 second audible warning. You'll be muted once your time is up. You may stay on the line if you wish to speak on other items. Any additionals, um, any individuals who speak during a public comment period at today's meeting can be emailed a brief written summary of the comments to be included in the minutes if it is 150 words or less um, to sfac.grants at sfgov.org. So I'm going to go ahead and just give it a few seconds and Tan, let us know if you see any hands up before we can close. Hi, I'm seeing none. Great. Thanks, Tan. So we'll go ahead and close public comment for agenda item number three. Thank you very much. Um, I like our format for doing this. I'd like to now call on agenda item number four. And if you wish to make public comment on this item, you may now raise your hand and be added to the queue and you will be called upon at the appropriate time. Item number four is the cultural center's leases and operating agreements and the action 
uh, a discussion and possible motion to authorize the Director of Cultural Affairs to enter into a sole source lease and operating agreements with the African American Art and Culture Complex, the Bayview Opera House Incorporated, Mission Cultural Center for Latino Arts, and SOMARTS for fiscal year 21-22 to ensure the city-owned cultural centers remain open, accessible, and vital contributors to the cultural life of the city. I would now like to introduce Deputy Director Joanne Lee to present the item. Great, thank you, Commissioner Collins. So the Board of Supervisors recently passed legislation requiring competitive bidding for all grants and contracts um, with certain exceptions. So our cultural centers are included as an exception to competitive bidding as they are tenants in our city owned buildings. And so other organizations cannot provide these services. So this resolution approves the Arts Commission to enter into the operating agreements without a competitive process for fiscal year 22. At the same time, we are entering into five year leases with the cultural centers. This is the first time that we are um, having a longer term lease. Up till now, it has been an, on annual leases. So these leases automatically renew um, each year on an annual basis over a five year term. And um, this provides the cultural centers with increased security and stability and acknowledges our long-term partnership with them. Um, I am available for any questions. Are there any questions, discussion or comments from the commissioners? Um, yes, I, I had one quickly. Uh, this is Janine. Um, so, um, Joanne, does that then also uh, position the community centers better for for multi-year grants and things like that from other outside foundations? Um, I believe so, because they will have be able to demonstrate a longer term lease and therefore stability. Um, at the same time, we will also be entering um, into longer term uh, grants or operating agreements with them after this fiscal year. So there's a little bit of kind of right sizing right now to get our leases and our operating agreements kind of aligned. And then from here on, you will see um, them, both the operating agreements and the leases on the same terms. Thank you for this. Um, I wonder, um, in, in the discussion, the previous discussion, a lot of us brought up the issue of capital contributions needs that the, the centers have and what this, and I also would love to know what the city is negotiating to do as well in support of that. Um, it, it, I would assume, I think that in previous contracts with these, folks I mean we've had we've had different ways of dealing with their maintenance issues sometimes we have been more um, participatory at, at one point there was a staff person at the Arts Commission who actually helped with more with the maintenance stuff I mean there was a period of time that that occurred and so um are we are we looking at that as we as we maybe extend the time period, are we looking at participating more in covering the cost of 
these things or partnering in them, especially as they're, you know, they're looking at the potential of expanding or adding housing or that kind of stuff. How do we, how do we include that in these contracts that we're looking at? Yeah, thank you, Commissioner Walker. Um, as you know, uh, capital improvements in space is near and dear to my heart too. Um, so we do have a position at the Arts Commission, a capital analyst position that was formerly held by Kate Faust. Some of you may remember her. She's moved on to the capital planning um, committee in the city. And that so our position has been vacant and we plan to hire or open it up for um, recruitment very soon. So I'm really hopeful for um, additional staff capacity to help look uh, and analyze our budget for capital. Um, I think at an upcoming meeting, we can go much deeper into our capital um, resources and what kinds of improvements we've been doing over the past year and what we plan to do over um, the coming years. The lease agreements themselves are fairly kind of a city template in terms of the basic responsibilities that are carved out between um, the city as owner and the cultural centers as the tenants, although we really try, you know, to do as much as we can um, with them. So, thank you very much. I, I do want to respect time and the need for discussion. Um, so, if there is a comment by any of the commissioners, it is a priority because we still have a major part of this meeting left. Would you raise your hand and ask the question and let's be, um, Mindful of the clock. Seeing then, um, is there any public comment on this matter? Commissioner Collins, we need a motion and a second before Please. we can move on to public comment. Um, I discussed the motion so the at the beginning of this. Um, so I'll go back to this again. This is now the motion is to authorize the Director of Cultural Affairs to enter into sole source lease and operating agreements with the african-american art and culture complex the bayview opera house incorporated mission cultural center for latino arts and soma arts for fiscal years 2021 and 2022 to ensure the city-owned cultural centers remain open and accessible as vital contributors to the cultural life of the city um mr walker so moved second 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 commissioner shelby second um, now, may I ask for a roll call, please? Public oh, comment uh, and then. Public, I'm sorry, public comment. Then roll call. Almost there. Okay, got it. Okay. <laughs> so, any, um, so, we didn't receive any public comments in our emails for this agenda item. So, if you're already listening to this meeting via the web link, please raise your hand. If you're calling by phone, please press star three to be put in the queue. Please press this only once since pressing it more than once will remove you from the queue. Instructions are currently on the screen. We are currently on agenda item number four, which is cultural center leases and operating agreements. As a reminder, your time will start when you begin speaking and you will see a visual timer if you're listening via WebEx. You'll get a 30 second audible warning. You'll be muted once your time is up. Um, you may stay on the line if you wish to speak on other items. Any individuals who speak during the public comment period at today's meeting can email a brief written summary of the comments to be included um, in the minutes if it is 150 words or less at sfac.grants at sfgov.org. So, Tom, let us know if you see any hands raised.
Hi, this is Tan. Um, I'm seeing none. Great, thank you. We can move on to final um, roll call vote. Thank you. We have a we have a motion and a second. Will you call the roll, please? Yes, Commissioner Collins. Aye. Commissioner Musle. Aye. Sorry. Thank you. All good. Commissioner Ordonan is not here. Commissioner Parker Pennington. Aye. Commissioner Shelby. Aye. Commissioner Shiota. Aye. Commissioner Walker. Aye. Thank you. Motion passes unanimously. Wonderful. And thank you for the spirited discussion. This is very important. We're now going to move on to agenda item number five. And if you wish to make public comment on this item, you may now raise your hand and be added to the queue and you will be called upon at the appropriate time. Agenda item number five is Native American arts and cultural traditions special grant and the action that we are going to discuss and have a possible motion is to approve the Native American arts and cultural traditions special grant funding recommendation to award the American Indian Cultural Center fiscal sponsor intersection for the arts for works of arts placed throughout the American Indian Cultural District to honor American Indian culture, history, people, and contributions, and to authorize the Director of Cultural Affairs to enter into a grant agreement not to exceed $100,000 at this time. I will now introduce uh, Senior Program Officer Jaron Bonillo to present. Thank you so much, Commissioner Collins, and good afternoon, commissioners and members of the public. The Native American Arts and Cultural Traditions Special Grant Program was launched in 2008 to provide a pathway for artists and organizations in San Francisco that focus on Native American arts and cultural traditions to access existing funding and technical assistance resources, as well as to participate in broader arts policy discussions. Today, the Native American Arts and Cultural Traditions Special Grant consists of a one-time grant to address emerging needs within the arts ecosystem of San Francisco that supports or highlights the Native American community. Specifically, the proposed project provides an opportunity to engage and celebrate the resurgence and resilience of indigenous people in traditional practices with an emphasis on California Native culture. The American Indian Cultural Center proposes to lead the Indigenize Project in partnership with the American Indian Cultural District. The Indigenize Project is focused on honoring American Indian culture, history, people, and contributions through works of art placed throughout the American Indian Cultural District. This project will help confront the systemic erasure and add to the rich culture of San Francisco by increasing public awareness through visibility and interactive experiences through an Indigenous lens. The guidelines and application were released on June 30th, 2021, with a deadline to apply on July 21st. There was a three-member staff review panel from SFAC that convened on July 27th to discuss the proposal with a fund, no fund approach. The participating staff bring deep expertise and familiarity with arts and cultural organizations, community development, and the Native community. We received one application in response to this RFP and the panel discussed the strengths and areas of improvement and recommended funding. And that concludes this overview. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, so there was one responsive proposal. 
Um, could, would you speak to some of the strengths and some of the areas of improvement that we might be aware of so that we can sort of support that moving forward? Yes, happy to. Thank you for the question. The real strengths were the participation and understanding and connection of the community engagement process, ensuring that there were the elders and voices of the community that were very um, connected, that the interrelationship between the cultural center and the district were a very strong partnership to realize that and make that happen along with deep uh, commitment to uplifting the voices of indigenous artists and practices and identifying places in San Francisco to build awareness around the history of place and acknowledge the indigenous peoples. Areas for improvement were around understanding um, capacity for both organizations and ensuring that there was a synergy of understanding roles and responsibilities within who's in the district and the footprint and visibility um, that will be put forth in the future. So I, I think it would be fair to say that you assume that all of those areas of improvement are uh, remedial and that there is adequate support to ensure their success. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. May I turn this over to any other uh, commissioners for I see Commissioner Walker's hand is raised. She just has to go off of mute. <laughs> I think that one might be residue from the last one, Commissioner Walker. Yes. Okay. So I do see Commissioner Shiota does have their hand up. Thank you. I, I, I have two quick questions. Um, thanks for the presentation. Um, are you concerned at all about uh, that there's only one response to the, to the, uh, RFP, and then um, also, um, uh, will this go into the collection? And is this is this inclusive of um, any maintenance, or um, how long is how long is the? Are some of them ephemeral pieces or performance pieces, and then some static art pieces? Um, so that's a lot of questions, but sorry. No, all great questions. Thank you. There'll be temporary works, so there will not be any um, permanent placement of murals or codes. They'll be movable so that as the, the district um, is forming and creates its boundaries, there'll be an opportunity to have businesses participate um, in that process and the works will be movable. And then in terms of uh, the, the capacity, I think that um, things are, oh, the one proposal, excuse me. So no, I think that we look at the capacity of the native community and we really saw that the American Indian Cultural Center was having a moment to lean into the capacity to be in partnership with the district at this time. Um, and we have some work to do in terms of understanding and building the capacity of our native artists and organizations to be able to apply in the future. Are there any other comments or questions from members of the commission? Thank you. So now do I ask for any public comment? Yes, before I do, I do see that um, April is joining us from American Indian Cultural Center. So Jaren, if you would like to call her up, um, feel free so that we can go ahead and have no limit for her versus the three. To offer her public comment. 
to offer her space in this area versus the public comment area, which is limiting to three minutes. Um, Commissioner Collins, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, do I have no things along? This, I think okay. this would be the right time for that. Great. Okay. So we have April up joining us now. So April, when you are ready, please feel free to meet yourself and say what you need to say. Thanks for joining us. Oh, yeah, we thank you. Um, good afternoon commissioners. Thank you for this um, time to just share some of um, my ideas on the indigenized project. I just want to say um, thank you to the arts commission for um, really supporting this work of the indigenized project. Um, this collaboration with American Indian cultural center and American Indian cultural district is really a place to indigenize. Um, and give back the visibility to American Indians in San Francisco's what's known as uh, the Mission District, but to the Ramatish Ohlone people, um, it's really Ilamu, the village of the Ramatish Ohlone people. So we want to create some education and visibility around not only American Indians um, uh, whose land we occupy, but also our inner tribal community, and really create a collaborative effort and um, uplifting our artists, um, engaging with our our businesses and residents in the cultural district, and um, and also looking forward to kind of planting planting this seed of funding for us, um, when it comes to having a physical space in the cultural district, and we have um, seen that it, during this time of of COVID that American Indian Cultural Center has has um, really worked hard to to bring attention to our artists and our native organizations who are doing a lot of work within the community around COVID, who are doing a lot of work to keep our artists engaged and and supported. Um, and and so I think that with the indigenized project, it's really just going to bring more artists back into the community and into San Francisco. We see a lot of our artists who have been displaced into other communities outside of San Francisco. And so we see the indigenized project as being this way to bring them back um, into the community and create more visibility and just really um, bringing the arts presence back into this time. And I feel it's really healing. It's going to be a really healing time as we see our communities elevating more art and culture. So I just want to say that it's, um, you know, a vision that we've had for quite some time. The cultural American Indian cultural district was birthed out of the cultural center. And there has been so much um, that we've done collaboratively uh, for American Indian community. Um, during this time, and so we just see it growing and that we see this indigenous project growing and that it just be like a phase 1 of this actual project. So I just want to say thank you to all of you for and, and ask for your support and, um, and then to all of the other cultural centers that, um, that have supported us as well. So thank you. You're awesome. Miss McGill. Um, would you speak a little bit to. Um, how it is that you are giving the public a better understanding of the importance, significance, and the moments in which you are really creating um, these new pathways, the communication strategy that might accompany this great work. 
Yeah, absolutely. I would love to share that. American Indian Cultural Center has a, an American Indian Cultural Advisory Committee that meets regularly. So a lot of the work that we do programmatically is really guided by our uh, advisory committee, which is made up of elders and youth. And so one of the things that we've discussed is um, as we were looking um, at the cultural district and we had a mapping session with our elders and um, you know, uh, knowledge keepers, and we had mapped out all of the significant areas within the cultural district and in San Francisco. And so what we plan to do is have a guided walking tour um, through the cultural district. And we see putting up these uh, places that are historical to American Indians and the larger community could come and and get this map that would be downloaded on their phone and they could walk through the cultural district with, and there would be possibly a QR code that would they could then scan on their phone and then it would bring up that historical uh, space in the cultural district. So anyone could take this walking tour through the cultural district. And, um, and I think it would elevate not only the history of American Indians, but then it would also uh, bring attention to the businesses that are now in those areas, and that creates a bigger partnership for us uh, for future for future activities. Um, and so we see not only this QR code being part of that, but then we also have these um, mural ideas, and um, and then just just um, thinking of our block parties that we want to have within the cultural district. So this is just one phase of that to really ele elevate the, the presence of the cultural district. Uh, we have some ideas for you. And so thank you very much. I think communication of this is extremely important so that we can really amplify uh, the great work that you're doing. And I'm sure that uh, we'll be very proud to, uh, to be involved in that. Any other questions from members of the commission? I can't see that, Ms. Moreno. I'm not but, seeing any hands raised. So may I then ask for any public comment? Is this the time for that? Yes, it is. So for those who are joining um, joining us via WebEx, um, please raise your hand. If you're calling by phone, please press star three to be put in the queue. Please press only once. Since pressing it more than once will remove you from the queue. Um, the instructions are on the screen. We are currently on agenda item number five, which is Native American Arts and Cultural Traditions Special Grant. As a reminder, your time will start when you begin speaking, and you will see a visual timer if you're listening via WebEx. You'll also get a 30-second audible warning. You'll be muted once your time is up. You, will stay, you may stay on the line if you wish to speak on other items. Any individuals who speak during the public comment period at today's meeting can email a brief written summary of the comments to be included in the minutes if it is 150 words or less at sfac.grants at sfgov.org. So, Tan, go ahead and let us know if there are any hands raised from the public so we can... Hi, this is Tan. I'm seeing none. Great. Thanks, Tan. We can go ahead and move on to roll call vote and final discussion. Okay, so then uh, the motion, have I, have I asked for a motion? Have you gotten a second on it? We did so get a motion. Mm -hmm. We will call the motion, please. Roll call. Hey. So, Commissioner Collins? Aye. Um, Commissioner Muslay? Aye. 
Commissioner Orleana's not here. Commissioner Parker Pennington. Aye. Commissioner Shelby. Aye. Thank you, Commissioner Shiota. Believe you're on mute. Aye. Thank you, and Commissioner Walker. Aye. And thanks. The motion passes unanimously. Thank you very much. May I now uh, call on agenda item number six, which is, is that this is the director of programs to report. Is that right? Is that where we are? I'm a little bit confused on. Yes. Okay. We're currently on agenda item number six. All right. So this is uh, staff presenter, which is direct deputy director Joanne Lee. Yes, thank you, uh, Commissioner Collins, um, and hello, commissioners again. When the when the commission approved the cultural equity grants for fiscal year twenty two um, a few months ago, if you'll remember, there were some um, questions about our grant making cycle. Um, our approach to grant making and philosophy. And so we wanted to take this opportunity to take kind of a deeper dive into um, the work of our community investments team and our grant making um, work. So these are the grants that are complemented by the Arts Impact Endowment, Cultural Center Endowment, and the Board of Supervisors and Mayoral Enhancements through the budget process which are on a different grant cycle. Next slide, please. The cycle is continuous and goes from guideline revisions where we are now all the way through to compliance and reporting. We incorporate our learning from the cycle and start all over again with small adjustments to the guidelines. Next slide. Um, next slide, please. So, so based on feedback from applicants, panelists and field research, we confirm eligibility requirements and develop narrative questions, scoring criteria and request amounts in each of the grant guidelines. So these categories include our San Francisco artists, which supports artistic production that stimulate the creation and presentation of works of art presented throughout San Francisco. And these are generally for individual artists. The Creative Space Grants, which supports arts organizations to plan for and invest in San Francisco cultural facilities. And our cultural equity initiatives that support small and mid-sized arts organizations through multi-year core operating support. In fiscal year 21, we revised our grant guidelines to respond to community needs and best practices in grant making. For the San Francisco artists, we have a distinct panel for artists with five years or less um, was established, and we broadened the artistic disciplines by allowing the artists to self-identify their creative practice and extended the grant window to 18 months. In creative space, we removed the funding match requirements for level two categories to decrease the grantee burden. And the budget cap was increased to $3 million. So more organizations were eligible for, to apply for funding. 
Under the cultural equity initiatives, we shifted funding from capacity building to general operating support to allow for broader use of funds, especially during the pandemic. We increased grant request amounts for smaller budget organizations to provide ample financial support to organizations and communities most in need of funding. And we put the organizational project grant category on hiatus and diverted the funds to CEI while reopening plans were uncertain for holding public events. Uh, next slide, please. So here's a high level look at eligibility and we take great efforts to outreach to eligible artists and arts administrators. Uh, next slide, please. So for outreach and technical assistance, next slide, we consider ways each year to increase awareness of our grant opportunities with specific efforts to recruit applicants that are deeply rooted in and reflective of communities listed in the cultural equity endowment legislation. While shelter in place prevented in-person outreach and workshops, online workshops were recorded and shared on our website for greater access. And you'll see these are the numbers of um, webinars, technical assistance webinars that we provided, as well as one-on-one -on -one consultations, which are basically phone consultations with program officers. Um, next slide, please. So digging deeper into outreach, in 2019, in response to the low percentage of applicants from the Latinx communities, we launched the Cultural Ambassador Program. The Cultural Ambassador Program enlists people who are deeply connected to their communities to recruit attendees to our grant seeker information sessions. Not only did this increase the percentage of Latinx applicants from 3% to 13%, but it also increased the percentage of first-time applicants in 2019 from 43% to 50%, and again in 2020, um, where we had 55% of first-time applicants. In 2021, due to COVID, we did not continue the community organizing aspect of the Cultural Ambassador Program, and you can see a dip in first-time applicants. We piloted a transforma transformative uh, grant writing, seating reciprocity program, a grant writing training program focused on communities associated with the city's cultural districts. We're currently assessing the impact of this program and the best strategy for the future. Technical assistance continues during the panel process by holding public panel reviews and making the recorded discussion available to the applicants. We coach panelists to comment based on the strengths and areas of improvement so that the applicants can learn from the panel deliberation. So I'm going to turn the rest of this presentation um, over to Jaron Benilo. Jaron, you're on mute. <laughs> Thank you so much, Joanne. Next slide. Uh, I'm going to detail the components of our grant making cycle from application submission to final reporting. 
In 2017, the Arts Commission launched an online submission process and will be utilizing an improved grants management system in the near future. Grant deadlines are thoughtfully scheduled. For example, we space out grant category deadlines and they are during business hours so that staff are available to address technical issues or questions. After applications are submitted, staff confirm that applicants meet the basic eligibility requirements, including being based in San Francisco, that they do not have an open grant in the category they applied, and making sure that organizations fit under the eligible budget cap before forwarding onto panelists for review. Next slide. The next slide. The publicly accessible grant panel review process ensures our grant making is transparent and offers applicants an opportunity to learn about the strengths of their proposal as well as areas for improvement. SFAC staff and panelists have distinct roles within the grant review process. Staff administer the panel review by reviewing applications for eligibility, orienting the panelists to the panel process, and facilitating the deliberations and ensuring that comments are relevant to the scoring criteria. Panelists are responsible for reviewing and scoring the applications. Our panel pool is created through an open submission process. Periodically, we bring additional rounds of approvals to the commission based on the grant category's needs. Program officers review the proposed projects and select panelists based on their knowledge and expertise of the artistic genre, communities involved, and curate a diverse panel. POs also review for conflicts of interest. Panelists are currently paid $30 per application. Next slide. Panelists participate in an orientation that ensures understanding of the panel process of reading, scoring, and discussing applications. The orientation includes an overview of the scoring criteria, our racial equity statement and goals, and a review of the conflict of interest policy. Panelists dedicate a lot of time to read all of our applications assigned in their distinct panel and submit initial scores prior to the panel review. Panelists then meet to discuss all of the applications. To ensure a fair and equitable review panel, the meetings are open to the public and were held online during shelter in place. Organizations are reviewed by budget size, starting from the smallest to largest, and we rotate which panelist initiates the conversation, as well as each application has a consistent amount of time for discussion. Final scores are submitted at the end of the deliberation of each application, and the average of the panelists' final scores determines a rank from which funding recommendations are made. Next slide. On to funding approvals and recommendations. The decision-making process for funding recommendations is as follows. The finance team provides the fiscal year's budget allocation for grants. The senior program officer reviews the previous percentages allocated to each grant category and shares allocations with the program officers overseeing each grant category. 
a collaborative process between the senior program officer and the POs, develop two to three funding scenarios for each category, and which applicants would be recommended for funding based on the available budget allocation and how far down we can reach in the ranked list. The CR senior program officer, the community investments director, and the deputy director analyze the funding scenarios, and the deputy director makes the recommendation to the director of cultural affairs. Recommendations are agendized for review at this committee meeting of the commission and go to full commission for full approval. Since fiscal year 2016, we have funded 100% of the request in order to support the application as proposed. Full funding enables grantees to begin implementing their program rather than having to do more fundraising or having to change or decrease the scope of their project. Often our funds do not cover the full true costs of the proposal. For example, facilities, improvement grants, and creative space. Next slide for compliance and reporting. Next slide. After full commission approval, program officers have the great pleasure of calling the grantees to congratulate them and let them know that their grant has been approved for funding. The program officers then work with the grantees to develop grant plans and budgets for their grant agreement. We then provide a grantee orientation. The team has been innovating ways to convey the importance of both the compliance information in the grant agreement, while also building rapport with grantees and among the grantee cohorts. To honor the different modes of learning, we prepared a recorded webinar about grant agreements such as minimum compensation, insurance coverage, SFAC acknowledgement and recognition, and reporting deadlines for grantees to review and reference. We also provided a copy of the deck. We coordinated two options for virtual real-time grantee orientations to answer any questions about how to successfully complete their grant. And based on grantee requests, we allocated a portion of the meeting for grantees to get to know each other and their projects. Throughout the grant window, program officers provide ongoing support to grantees throughout the term of their grant and reporting and evaluation includes qualitative and quantitative data that program officers learn from and integrate in the guideline revision process for the next cycle. Next slide. Coming soon, we will be implementing a new grants management system that will automate and create some efficiencies in our work. We'll be developing the new uh, grant cycle timeline. We are always recruiting panelists. We encourage people to apply. If you know anyone who would be great in this role, please send them our way. We will also be launching the special grants in September and you'll see those recommendations coming to you in October. And that is the end of our grants overview. Please let us know if you have any questions. Thank you. Many, many thanks. Um, extremely thorough and there's a lot to absorb. Um, let me, I wanna ask a couple of questions. Um, we are working within Proposition E. And so we have received substantial funding streams that uh, require us to pay attention to the underlying enabling legislation. Um, within the framework of what you are presenting to us, it, are you able then to ensure that in all of the 
applicable grant categories that the intended purposes, the administrative guidelines and other regulations that um, we operate under are in full compliance? Uh, yes, we are. Um, we are very mindful of the legislation um, and, you know, the the competitive bidding process that the city attorney guides us on. The grant agreements are reviewed by the city attorney um, before we're able to fully execute them. Um, so, yes, we do go through many steps around compliance, um, both with city standards as well as with the property legislation. I can't thank you enough for that for the answer to that question. Also, with respect to the um, one-time funding that we receive for basic uh, income support for artists, um, would you remind the commission as to the source of those funds and any particular limitations that may have pertained to them? So, the source of funds for the um, for the guaranteed income program was the Arts Impact Endowment, which is funded by Proposition E. It is a kind of separate bucket of funds, if you will, that um, Prop E funds the Arts Impact Endowment, our cultural centers, the cultural equity endowment, and the cultural districts. Um, so they're outside of the regular, you know, re again, similar restrictions around grant making and competitive bidding and the goals of the program. Um, there aren't any um, additional restrictions for those funds. The Arts Impact Endowment um, is our most kind of flexible pool of funds. It is for emerging needs um, of the of the community arts sector, and we will be uh, working. We will be doing some outreach to identify the uses of those funds for the next uh, for the next round. Thank you very much. That was a very special um, allocation that we had for the income support. And so we will be looking forward to, I believe, a report on that in our September commission meeting or in sometime in the fall. Now, also, I would like to make sure that any um, issues of compliance with the underlying enabling legislation is also very detailed and handled and also perhaps in conjunction and the um, support from the city attorney's office. Um, are there any other questions from members of the commission on the report that we've just received from Deputy Director Joanne Lee and Program Officer Bonillo? Um, I think Commissioner Walker's hands up. Commissioner Walker here. Um, I have a couple of questions. Okay, one is, as you know, I, I remember Joanne being, Joanne was on the um, economic task force that we did in the city at the beginning of COVID. And a lot of the sort of presenting open space, paying artists, there's a lot that is going through other departments other than just ours. And and this is the kind of stuff that's that's hopefully being aimed at the arts hub that the city helped fund the concept of. And so my question is, are we somehow in the narrative of these and in the discussions with the organizations applying, encouraging them to connect to these other programs? Because they may not be able to do what they do in their own location 
as fluidly as they used to. So that's my first question. And then the second one is there was a shift in the description based on COVID restrictions, I think, about shifting from presenting to organizational grants. Um, it seems like those are smaller, the smaller organization. So my question is, Grants for the Arts does specifically organizational program grants. So how are we thinking to make sure we're not double, you know, I mean, how, I mean, because actually, quite frankly, there's a lot of focus right now that smaller organizations don't have the capacity to actually qualify for Grants for the Arts. So we wanted to focus some organizational grants on the smaller organizations along with capacity building. So those are two questions. Great, thank you, Commissioner Walker. Um, let me take a stab at it, and Jaron, please chime in of anything that I've missed. So, let's see. To uh, your first question around the grantees for the Guaranteed Income Program and for reopening safely, and also for our Sankofa um, initiative yeah. grantees, uh, Program Officer Tina Wiley organized um, a quarterly. Uh, coffee with the grantees just for that purpose so that they could all meet and get to know what their projects are, help each other with outreach um, so that different communities know more about these um, about these opportunities. And so that's going and I think the next coffee is coming up either this month or next. Um, so they've been you know, we, it was great to connect them and they were able to help each other when they were all um, launching these regranting opportunities in the community. Great. Um, to your second question. So, yes, in the cultural equity initiatives, we did uh, pivot from capacity building to general operating support, providing more flexibility to our grantees, um, especially during COVID and. Kind of what we're hearing is, you know, kind of best practices in philanthropy is to do general operating support as the organizations know best about where their needs are um, and where they both most need those funds. And you and how does it how does it compete with grants for the arts funding, which is operational? Right, because our grant, um, our budget limit, our budget size goes up to 1.5 million. Um, and so we really focus on organizations that are much that are smaller than grants for the arts. And I believe they, their organizations tend to have larger budgets. Well, they tend to, but I think it goes down to 20, uh, 250K or whatever. It just, I mean, it would be, it's one of those things and, and director um, Remington, you know, that there's quite a few things to sort of sync up and coordinate better with grants for the arts. We just want to make sure we're, working together. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> grants for the arts. Uh, yeah, what, pro <laughs> what probably should happen is that there shouldn't be like they any organ, any of the smaller organizations they're giving to. We should probably give to those organizations and that's it. It shouldn't be double right. But then I don't know if we have been doubling down over the years, if we then stop, then that's a deficit for those organizations. So, so we have to figure out what that is, what that duplicative uh, giving looks like. Because if there is duplicative giving, 
it is something that has to be addressed. Um, I do think one of the things that we're doing is giving it 100% um, uh, what people ask. And I think that's something also that we have to examine whether or not we give people 100% or what, what's the cutoff where for, for uh, degrading amounts. But I think um, it's a good point that you raise. And um, if Grants for the Arts gives larger organizations and we and it clear we clearly give to the smaller organizations, that might be the cleanest way to get at it, unless there is at some point some kind of merger that happens between both of us and then that'll take care of itself. Yeah, it would it would be good to because I think that there is need to help the smaller ones get up to being able to qualify for grants for the arts. I mean, that's the most consistent thing that an organization can get is grants for the arts funding. And, but once they do it, they shouldn't be eligible for yours, which is small organization support and and capacity building in that realm. I mean, both of those things are needed. So it's one of those things to talk about when we're strategizing. Since both uh, Commissioner uh, Shelby and I are on both we're on the advisory committee for grants for the arts as well, and we could, you know, support having a, a better strategy that brings us together around our missions. Um, and and director uh, Brown, uh, Valley Brown and I are getting together and talking about some ways to strategize around uh, how we how we jointly fund um, organizations. That's great. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I, I would only just add is that I there is a small um, percentage of overlap of grantees between the Arts Commission and Grants for the Arts. My understanding, and I think these are great points, and we'll you know do a deeper dive with Grants for the Arts as we look at their grantee list as it's about to come out. I think um, that that the smaller organizations I think get smaller amounts from grants for the arts and we tend to fund them at higher amounts but I, I agree that we need to kind of to get our to be more clear in our alignment um, yeah. and our strategy between the two and we could be there so i think it makes us more effective with where our mission is of supporting these organizations too so right they could possibly work order what they give over to us and we can we can uh aggregate it yeah, and make sure and yeah, make sure that the organizations get that kind of programmatic support that yeah. perfect. Great. Mm -hmm. Just one comment that I, I wanted to make because I really like uh, first of all, it's wonderful to get all this information. I I, I think I've been it'll I'll be hitting my three year anniversary in the first this is the first time I've really gotten a full picture for our grants making a complete process. So it's really helpful to have this. I really like the direction of collaborating more with Grants for the Arts. And, you know, for whatever reason, I have this view of our mission is to help the smaller emerging, you know, arts um, organizations as much as possible. And I, I feel like there's, if we're, you know, du duplicating efforts with Grants for the Arts with the, some of the same grantees that might run counter to that, I'd rather see us give to more 
smaller organizations. And so maybe it's just a question of what is our philosophy? What's the target audience that we're really trying to serve and making sure that we're casting as wide a, you know, a net in terms of touching those arts organizations um, that don't have other alternatives. So the large arts organizations, they've got other sources of funding, right? You know, private donors and, you know, uh, so I think it's really good for us to really get as much of that money you know, as, as they might have that they might be giving it a smaller and and then cast a wider net. Oh, that's my only point, but I, I really love that it sounds like that might be the direction that you're headed in, um, Director Remington, in your conversations with Valley Brown. You know, yeah, yes, that, Commissioner Parker-Pennington, exactly. And, um, and both and, I guess, uh, the, the other thing is that um, I think we need to be careful about just sprinkling money all over the place. Uh, I think that to have to give larger amounts, to get to fewer organizations at larger amounts creates greater impact in targeted communities. And so I think that's where we need to head and not just sprinkle money all over the place no matter what. But I think any of that is gonna come out of a long kind of process of trying to plan it out, having more conversations with you all, and uh, and also obviously Director Valley Brown. Um, because if, 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 we, if we become one organization, then we're giving, <laughs> Deborah Walker. <laughs> and, and, and if we become one organization, then we're we're giving to the arts in San Francisco, as aggregated. You know, we we are giving to the arts. So then it's not about about oh this one gives to the small ones, this one gives to the large ones. Then we're just giving supporting the arts in San Francisco. So I think we're headed there. But yes, that philosophically that that is what we'd like to do, Commissioner Parker Parker Pennington. And then at the same time, there's a finite pool. And so now, if grants for the arts were a part of uh, the Arts Commission, then let's say X organization that has a $25 million budget and they get regularly, let's say let's, for a round number, $100,000 a year from Grants for the Arts, maybe now they could get maybe $75,000 a year. A $25,000 balance goes to other organizations that have not been able to get funding in the past. So that's how we can leverage that. So um, to be continued, we'll see. We'll see how it all <laughs> pans out. It's gonna be fun. Well, there's a lot of history in this and uh, there's a lot of data analysis. There's also, you know, the wonderful fact that we have uh, collaboration as between grants for the arts and um, the arts commission, both at a staff and at a commissioner and advisory level. There are also transitional rules. One of the biggest mistakes that you can ever make is something that is abrupt, that has a disruptive impact, that is unintended. And so with a really thoughtful and planful approach to this, um, we really need to forge the future so that we can actually be more effective. This is, that's what we're after, right? We're after more effectiveness, not just efficiency, but effectiveness. So thank you very much. Um, are there any other questions on the Deputy Director for Programs report? Um, do I ask for public comment now? Sure. 
So uh, we didn't receive any emails. So if you're already listening to this meeting via WebEx link, um, please raise your hand. If you're calling by phone, please press star three to put, be put in the queue. Press only once, um, since pressing it more than once will remove you from the queue. Instructions are currently on the screen. We are currently on agenda item number six, which is Deputy Director of Programs Report. As a reminder, your time will start when you begin speaking, and you will see a visual timer if you are listening via WebEx. You will also get a 30-second audible warning. You will be muted once your time is up. You may stay on the line if you wish to speak on other items. Any individuals who speak during the public comment period at today's meeting can email a brief written summary of the comments to be included in the minutes if it is 150 words or less at sfac.grants at sfgov.org. So, Tom, let us know if there are any hands raised from. Yes, we do have Barbara Ogle. All right, so we'll go ahead and bring. So, Barbara. I was going to say thanks for joining us, but you've been with us all day today. So I'm going to go ahead and set up a timer for you. Let's see. So, Barbara, can you hear us? Yeah. Great. Yes. So when you begin speaking, your the timer will start. Go ahead when you're ready. I'm ready. Uh, I've just been listening with great interest about your discussions about, you know, grant distributions for smaller organizations. And I, uh, you know, I was struck by Director Remington's comment about not wanting to sprinkle money all over the place. And I've been struggling with that, like thought myself, but a lot of the um, arts money that's coming down through the Dreamkeeper initiative, it looks to me like we've been the recipient of some of it. It's being given to, given to somewhat large organizations. I mean, we're not exactly large, but larger than others just in order to give it out and we've actually been pressured to to make our grant amounts lower than we had initially you know wanted to do like for instance for the grant agreement from the office of economic and workforce development so i just wanted to comment that and that that distribution of small amounts everywhere that is in fact happening on a fairly large scale that's all i want thank you barbara Tan, are there any other public comments I am seeing none. Great, thanks. So we'll go ahead and close public comment. Um, Commissioner Collins, if I could ask for one quick favor. Um, I realized that I failed to, <laughs> to do the motion for agenda item number five, which was the Native American um, uh, special grant for um, the Native American grant category. And I was wondering if we can go ahead and do that real quick. That is to call the roll. Not the, the roll, the motion for it. Yeah, that was that was my error. I didn't um I didn't um do the motion in the second. We we did public comment and then um roll call um after that. So that was my fault. So we need a motion and a second for agenda item number five. So this is a discussion. This is a motion to approve the Native American Arts and Cultural Traditions Special Grant. Could you put that back? Because I yes, yes sorry. thank you. Um this is a motion to approve the Native Americans Art and Cultural Traditions Special Grant Funding Recommendation to award the American Indian Cultural Center Fiscal Sponsor Intersection for the Arts um, for works placed 
throughout the American Indian Cultural District to honor the American Indian culture, history, and people and contributions and to authorize the Director of Cultural Affairs to enter into a grant agreement not to exceed $100,000 at this time. May I have a motion, please, to that effect? So moved, Commissioner Parker Pennington. And a second? Walker, second. Commissioner Walker, second. Now, Thank do I ask um, for Do I ask again for? I don't need any. We can go straight to the. Yeah, we, we can go straight Thank to. You. Well, we did the roll call already. It was just the motion and the second. I forgot to ask for this one. And so we can go oh. now back to agenda item number seven. Thank you very much. Agenda item number seven is new, new business, business and announcements. And at this time, may I ask if there's any new business or announcements? Certainly, um, uh, I think that. Director Remington would like to make a statement about Hung Lu. I'm sorry, I, I missed the end of what you said. Chuck. I was just saying, I think you posted this, but also to acknowledge the uh, passing of the great artist Hung Lu. Yes. Uh, oh, sorry, I don't have any prepared remarks on Hung Lu. Uh, but we spoke about her today and her work uh, in our staff meeting. Uh, Joanne Lee, Director, Deputy Director Joanne Lee may have a few words. I think we just wanted to take a moment to acknowledge the passing of a great artist um, in our community and nationally, Hung Lu. Um, many of you have um, may know her. Some of our staff have worked with her. She's had a relationship with um, the Arts Commission in the past. I believe that her works, um, there is an exhibition at the De Young Museum right now that um, you could go in and see. So we just wanted just to take a moment and acknowledge her. Thank you. You know, I would also like to comment you know, that she was a member of the Board of Directors of the San Francisco Museum of Modern Art, and she paved a really wide path. Um, I saw her just a few weeks ago. We had an in-person gathering in the garden, and she was there in full steam, in full humor, and with a drink and a happy smile and every bit of optimism that you could have ever imagined. I can only say that, you know, sometimes losing someone so fast can be a mercy that suffering is avoided. Um, her cancer advanced extraordinarily fast and from diagnosis to end stage was less than a month or six weeks. So her memory is blessed, um, her impact is huge and she will be ever a part of the blessed, the blessed community and, and with great honor to her significance as an artist and as a human being and as a teacher. Thank you. Any other announcements or any things that people would like to bring up in terms of new business? I will say that our, our meeting in September will be very important. And I know that staff is preparing um, a lot of um, data for us to absorb. We want to ensure that what we see and have seen today is really broadcast to our larger commission. And in particular, we want to ensure that our compliance with the underlying administrative regulations and other authorities under which we operate are in full compliance. And so um, 
I, I hope that staff will be able to bring a robust report, but an efficient one because it is important for the public record. And also, I think we want to bring great visibility to this work. So, um, Commissioner Walker here, um, I have been um, in communication with the um, the shipyard artists. Um, there, I mean, just to remind commissioners that project, the shipyard and a couple of other um, adjacent project buildings are and and lots are to be turned over, have been turned over by the Navy to the OCII. The, the, it's a, um, a receiver commission of the properties of the redevelopment, which is, was um, actually liquefied. <laughs> so the, the OCII has received it and it's gonna be turned over to the city. And why I've been in contact with them is that there's issues with the contractual agreement um, the project is obviously stalled for various reasons, and it sort of left the artist building at 101, um, which will become a city property and we'll have to look at. But, you know, right now there's dirt and... and um, Commissioner Walker? Yes. I'm sorry. Um, uh, I'm, I'm afraid that we're, we can't talk about a non-agendized topic. With, well, it's, uh, to, it's, a, it's just to report. On activity. Well, I, that's what I'm doing. I'm just saying what the status is, is that there's been. Do you want to talk about it at a future meeting? Yes, I would like to have so, the shipyard project in its total yes. actually on an agenda to, to get a report on what the status is and, and hear from the artists that are out there and okay. have helped to make plans to support that. Okay, noted. So we'll. Um, we will take that down, um, talk about the future status, um, and uh, address it at that time. Thank you. So I just don't want to get too far into meeting about it. Yeah. You know, thank you. Make an announcement. Thank you. Are there any other, um, is there any other new business or announcements on behalf of the commission? I'm seeing none. And Ms. Moreno, we are we now asking for any public comment or we don't have that? We do. Yes, we do. So last item. So if you're ready, if you're already listening to this WebEx meeting via the um, via the link, please raise your hand. If you're calling by phone, please press star three to be put in the queue. Please press only once since pressing it more than once will remove you from the queue. Instructions are currently on the screen. We're currently on agenda item number seven which is new business and announcements. As a reminder, your time will start when you begin speaking and you will see a visual timer if you are listening via WebEx. You'll get a 30 second audible warning. Um, you'll be muted once your time is up. You may stay on the line if you wish to speak on other items. Any individual who speaks during the public comment at today's meeting can write a brief summary of their comments to be included in the minutes if it is 150 words or less to sfac.grants at sfgov.org. So we'll get a few seconds and Tan will let us know if there are any hands raised um, from the public. And then just also to note, we did not receive any emails for this particular agenda item. So Tan, give us the okay to move on. Hi, I'm seeing none. 
Thanks, Han. Public comment is now closed. You know, I think we all had to just give a little high five and a little grace around this crazy meeting. It was a phenomenal meeting. I want to express deep appreciation to our staff, our technical advisors, who went through a lot of stuff, and for Commissioner Shelby, who knows the difference between Chrome and Safari. Uh, the creativity to get on this uh, was prodigious, um, and I want to thank everybody. This meeting is adjourned. Thank Thanks. you all. For those who are listening, all right, we are closing our meeting, so please feel free to end the way that you do. Time if you can stop the recording and put us on practice session.